Hey, it's Sean. And it's Bree. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Fulford House in Brockville, Ontario, and the Firkins House in Fort Edmonton Park, Alberta. And for our paramedia segment, we are going to be discussing the 2019 miniseries called The Haunting of Hill House. Yep. What, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to that because that was a really cool um, uh, series that that they brought out. And um, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I got lots to say. <laughs> good, good. So it'll be an interesting discussion for sure. So I'm boring, so we won't even talk about me, but how's <laughs> everything with you? <laughs> uh, pretty good, I guess you could say. Just working away. <laughs> yeah. Daily grind. Daily grind, doing your mm-hmm. thing, making it look easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in the last episode, you said you were starting a new job. How are you liking it? Uh, that's not too bad. Good. Um, still getting the hang of things. Officially out of training, but we you know, still have a little bit of backup help. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's kind of like an area that you're working where you're monitored, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, we had that at another company that I worked for, and I thought it was a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's daunting enough to be in that kind of environment and not know what you're doing. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But like, as I said, I've been pretty boring. Um, Haven't really done too much. Just kind of taking it easy and just daily grind stuff. Yeah. So, um I think last time we were talking, I was we were going away, and we we've done that, and that was really cool. And um, it was really cold and kind of uh-huh. damp when we went for the whole time. Unfortunately. Oh uh, really? Yeah. It looked so. really nice from the pictures you sent me. Right, and it was like it was really nice. Like like the 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 place was nice, and the grounds were nice, but you can definitely see that it would have been much better if it was like warmer temperatures and, you know, you could see a lot more going on there um, in that season, but it was nice to kind of drive around and see the area, which was Prince Edward County um, and see what they kind of had to offer there. Cause I'd never really been there before. So yeah. So yeah. check it out if you have a chance. Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah, it's just um, just a very interesting area with different things to see. So check it out. So anyways, getting right into it, we are going to talk about the Fulford House in Brockville, Ontario. And it's a historic mansion. It was completed in 1901 for Senator George Taylor Fulford, a Canadian businessman and politician. It is now a historic museum showing Edwardian era decorations. It's operated by the Ontario Heritage Trust and it was designated a national historic site in Canada in 1992. 
1890, the Fulford family purchased a patent for Dr. Williams' pink pills for pale people and made a fortune selling them. Then they had a mansion built on the shore of the St. Lawrence River in Brockville, and their estate was to be built on the King's Highway on the eastern side. It was built between 1899 and 1901 and contained 35 rooms and set at 20,000 square feet. Because Fulford was an important figure in the community, entertaining was one of the primary functions of the mansion. It contained a grand hall, a dining room for over 30 people, and a spacious veranda. It also had a Rocco-style drawing room for the ladies and a Moorish-style smoking room for the gentlemen. The grounds were designed by the Olmsted brothers. Property was lowered to three-tenths of its original acre when George Fulford was forced to sell parts in order to maintain and afford the maintenance of the house. He remained in control until his death, and it was left to the Ontario Heritage Foundation, now known as Ontario Heritage Trust, and all the original contents were donated by his widow and his son. Oh, wow. The trust performed a major restoration on the house and opened a historic house museum in 1993. It was restored to how it would look in the Edwardian era. Two of the original furnishing and artifacts were the Butterfly Steinway piano and a Tiffany dragonfly lamp. It's very lavishly furnished and a major attraction in Brockville. So lots of history there with regards to um, that particular mansion. You know, as always, passing it over to Brie for the ghost of the Fulford House in Brockville, Ontario. Brie? Thank you, Sean. All right, so this true Edwardian home was the home of George Taylor Fulford, a member of the Senate and the manufacturer of Dr. Williams' pink pills for pale people, like Sean said earlier. So true to the times, Mary Fulford was a spiritualist and held seances in the home that even attracted the attention of William Lyne Mackenzie King, who, as we know, was a serious believer in the paranormal and was always trying to contact his deceased mother through seances and other paranormal means. Mary Fulford enlisted the help of a Detroit medium, but whether or not they were successful is unknown. So they say that it's Mary who is haunting the mansion, terrified of thunderstorms, and it has been reported that during the storms, there is uh, banging and pounding on the main entrance door to be like let out of the rain or let back in. Um, they say that it's probably her or they pretty sure it is. So I think that is it. That is the only ghost that's really been reported is, and they assume that it is the woman, Mary, who was Fulford's wife. Which I can definitely see that because like, I mean, she was very much a spiritualist as you were saying. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, you would very much think that she would be the one to come back and to kind of um, inhabit that house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, well, well, people when they're drawn to certain things too, right? That's what they kind of hold on to, I guess. And if she really loved the house, that's probably why she chose to pick that place. For sure. And I mean, I saw pictures of this thing and it was absolutely stunning. Oh, like, really? yeah. 
if you have a chance, check it out. Um, it's it's a really, really nice place. It was really well done. And I mean, if you ever have a chance to go there and stay there or take a tour or what have you, definitely, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Coolio. Yeah. And that's all I have. So awesome. we're back to you, Sean. <laughs> Thanks. Now on to the Firkins house in Fort Edmonton Park, Alberta. So Blanche and Ashley Firkins were a newlywed couple from Chicago who came to Edmonton in 1911. They purchased the property on Saskatchewan Drive shortly after the birth of their daughter, Carolyn. The house was completed and they started living there the following year when their second daughter, Miriam, was born. Dr. Firkin was a dentist and went to work with J.S. Lowther and then came to Edmonton. The house was originally located at 7801 Saskatchewan Drive. Then, then when the house was donated, it was moved to the Fort Edmonton Park. It's been modified a little since it was built to include the original beaver board walls, moss insulation, built-in shelving, and some, some of the light fixtures. When it was built, it was the most fashionable of small homes at the time. Its style and structure was consistent with the craftsman type of housing, and it was one of the earliest uses of stucco in Edmonton. Craftsman characteristics were to have exposed rafters, rustic stone fireplace, built-in shelves, oak woodwork, and linear styling. The dining and living rooms were an open concept which were defined but not enclosed. This was utilizing a functional use of their interior space for that time. The Firkin family lived there until 1923, at which they moved to California and sold the house to Professor Robert Newton. And after that, again it was sold in 1925, 1953, and then in 1985, to the Kerpotses. And that is all I have for the Firkin House history from Fort Edmonton Park, Alberta. So I'm going right. to switch it over to Bree to tell us a little bit about the ghosts of the Firkin. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> so they say that there is a woman spirit that floats by a bookcase. Um, there's People that say ventriloquist dolls materializing in cupboards, uh, an apparition of a sickly boy. Uh, some accounts claim that the ghost is a small boy um, that plays with a red ball. Others say he's a teenager old enough to study a book of magic. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and some, some, I guess, stories, he died of tuberculosis. Um, in others, he's uh, said to have been padlocked in a storage area and then murdered by his father, Dr. Ashley M. Firkins. Wow, that seems pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And but like, I mean, this was like early 1900s. So if that was the case, wouldn't he have been charged or what have you? Or they just never, nothing came about? Well, there was uh, someone I read that they said that he didn't have a son. So I guess it doesn't have to be necessarily his son because if other people oh, lived there, right? Right, right. Um, and if the reports are still stating they see a young boy, if it was tubercul- tuberculosis, that was what? That would have been in the early 1900s yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's right. 
So like that's not unheard of. And and if you think about it, back then people didn't know what to do and they when they saw you coughing up blood, they thought other things. And right. locking him in the basement or in a storage area, it would make sense why he would do that to keep him away from everybody else because they didn't know back then what to do, right? Right, right. And that's just it. Like, I mean, not to bring up what we're going through now, but like, I mean. Look how we had to isolate. Yeah, exactly right. now. You know what I mean? So, I mean. And yeah. he was a doctor, right? A dentist. A dentist. So he would have probably known the signs of tuberculosis. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. I'm pretty sure the guy that I read about that said that he didn't have a son said he only had daughters. So, again, it could have been a different family who lived there very much so because even in the research that i did uh, for the history it talked about their first daughter they had when they were building the house just when the house was finished and then when they started living there they had their mm. second daughter so there was no mention oh, of a boy. son so you never know <clears throat> right this is true and it doesn't say well they do say that he's either a young boy or a teenager Right. So if he was a teenager right. and they lived on an ex secluded piece of land where nobody would know if he had a son or not. Right. Who knows? This is back right. in the 1900s. I'm a story writer, so I can come up with a million different ideas. Right. And also broken <laughs> telephone, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, Depending exactly. on how many people it went through. <laughs> exactly. So who knows? Um, but most recent uh, families that did move in were warned that the place was haunted. So um, apparently they knew before buying the house. And then even the construction crew was reported that there were strange occurrences happening. Uh, tools would go missing. Window panes would fall and then land perfectly intact. Um, and then while they were repairing the home and readying it for hundreds of visitors, this would happen. So... It's not like it was like one person there and, oh gosh, what did I see? It was like, I guess several of them saw. Right. Right. So it was well experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they assume that the uprooting and reconstruction of the structures have stirred up some ghosts in the happenings in the park. So that could be true, huh. especially if they're buried anywhere on that land. Right. Yeah. Any, any uprooting or anything like that would definitely stir up something with mm -hmm. regards to any residual um, things that could be there. Yeah. Well, they say he's not threatening at all. So, and he's not negative, overly negative. So that's a good thing. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, that's good. Um, so the, they, oh, some people say an apparition of a woman. So I'm assuming it's the same woman that's flying in front of the bookcase. Um, and then I guess on, uh, one, I don't know if it was an investigator. I'm sorry, I forget, but they were taking a picture. And as they took a picture of what they saw was an orb, there was actually a face in the orb, a man's face. That's kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that is all I have for the Frickin house. And... Fort Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> You're welcome. So anyways, moving into our paramedia segment, which we are going to be talking about, as we mentioned earlier, the haunting of Hill House. So I was just going to uh, talk about the actors that are actually in the in the TV series. Um, I'm right. sure you've heard of most of them. So there's, I believe it's Michelle... Heisman, 
He plays Steven, the older version of Steven. Um, he was also in Game of Thrones. He played Khaleesi's, um, after, I'm sorry if nobody's watched it by now. Too bad you should have. Um, when Drogo, Cal Drogo <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> um she meets him at uh i can't remember where but he he's the guy with the long hair and he's very handsome he's like the knight that protects her for a while so that's who he plays he's also in world war z uh he was on a show called orphan block which uh, was a very interesting tv show um and apparently he's acted in english and dutch and then there's carla i believe it's gugino uh she plays olivia the mom um, I'm sure everybody knows where she's been in. Uh, I remember her the first time I saw her was in Son-in-Law with Polly Shore. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's Very young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Really young. Yeah. I bet. She plays, I'm pretty sure she plays the mom in all the spy games. Um, okay. She was in San Andreas and yep, Gerald's yep. Game. <clears throat> yeah. There's Henry Thomas. Uh, he plays Hugh, the young version of the dad. If you don't know who he is then I don't even know what to say to you. But he is Elliot from E.T. Um, he also played in God, so many things, but most recently I watched was Midnight Mass, which is a very interesting um, miniseries on... I, actually, I don't think it's a miniseries, but uh, first season so far on Netflix. And I really liked the show. I really did a lot. Um, he's also been in Legends of the Falls, and he's also in The Haunting of Blythe Manor. Um, right. The next uh, actor or actress is Elizabeth Reeser. Um, she plays Shirley. I believe she's the second oldest, but the first oldest daughter. Yes. She played the mom in the Twilight series for the Cullen family. Mm. And I believe she's been on Grey's Anatomy since 2005. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know She's that. been in other things too, but I those were the most recent I wanted to. And then everybody to knows who Twilight is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Victoria Pedretti, I believe is how you say it. She plays Eleanor. Um, she was in the TV show You. Uh, that's on Netflix, which is very interesting as well. Uh, she's also in The Haunting of Blythe Manor. Yeah. And she was recently in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, which was also a great movie. Yes, yes, it was. Um, Oliver Jackson Cohen, he plays Luke, the twin, so Eleanor's twin. Um, the first time I remember seeing him was in the TV show Dracula with um, Jonathan Rice and... Um, actually quite a few people, but I remember on Twitter, I was watching the show as they were tweeting online and stuff. And right. I've had a couple of times them, you know, tweet back or liked or whatever. And Nonzo is the guy who plays Redfield, Renfield on the show. He w would respond a couple of times too. So it was really cool that while watching the show, you could interact with the actors. So that was really cool on Twitter when Twitter was like, well, it still is pretty popular but um he was also in um the healer um the movie faster with um i believe it was the rock and emerald city okay there's there's kate seagal she plays theodora the older version of theodora um she's in the movie hush she was also in midnight midnight mass um 
Time Traveler's Wife and Ouija was another one. Yes. I guess she's been yes. in a few um, like scary sort of movies or TV shows. Yes, because she's I also believe... in the Blythe Manor. Yes, because her yeah. husband is the creator. Oh yes, I remember seeing Mike uh, Flanagan when I was looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so beautiful. She is. Absolutely. I love her hair. Yes, yes. And you know what, um, Oliver Jackson Cohen, I was going to say that um, one movie that you didn't mention, and it's kind of a newer movie with, um, I believe her name is Elizabeth Moss. Um, <laughs> it's The Invisible Man. Oh. Yeah, he I plays actually, a character I think in that. Oh, he's a good actor. I like him. Yeah, he's really good. They're all, especially in this series, they're all top notch. I mean... Oh, um, yes. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed all the actors on this show. Even, they, I don't want to yeah. leave out, um, Timothy Hutton oh, as sorry, well. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. He plays Hugh, the older version of the dad. Um, I didn't really bring out the names of the girls, uh, the younger children, uh, but I might when we discuss The Haunting of Blythe Manor in the future because it's pretty much almost the same cast. And it's really cool that they are playing different roles and if you watch watch it it's like even though it's not the same story and stuff it's it's really neat um so timothy hutton was in taps which is an old movie i believe tom cruise was in that one too uh secret window with johnny depp that was a good movie um the last holiday with queen latifah and uh, so many more he's been acting forever so yeah so there you go um I did notice that a few of them were also part of Gerald's game. So they've actually worked together on more than one occasion, a lot of these actors in this movie. Right, right. And yes, definitely. And some of those movies are just fantastic. Like Last Holiday you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that one as well with Queen Latifah. Um, and also the woman from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark was in it. I think her name is Susan Kellerman. Oh. Um, she's uh, she's a pretty good actress as well. Yeah. So I've always enjoyed her work too. Um, yeah. So there's definitely some great talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now, with this, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say one last thing. Um, the Haunting of Hill House was loosely based on Shirley Jackson's novel uh, published in 1959. Yes. Yes, that's right. And, and sorry, and. <laughs> now I can't remember the the other author, but for the the haunting of Blythe Manor, the author wrote that story in eighteen fifty nine. Because I believe some people were thinking that they were connected because the, the actors were on the same shows. Because I thought that too. I thought maybe oh, is this like a past life or? a version of one of the lives that um, these people had when, you know, they obviously became ghosts later. You know what I mean? Kind of like what American Horror Story, where they started off with the family moving into the house that was haunted, but everybody who played in this story was either a ghost or you saw them in the next season as their past life or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So there's always like some sort of a, like a different dimension, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, and I think within this series too, it does go back and forward a lot, but it's not hard mm-hmm. to follow. Yeah. No, not um, at all. So, and the kids are adorable. I really oh, loved amazing. all the kids. 
Amazing Luke work. is so cute. I know. Here, my, do you remember a commercial um, back in the eighties with the kid eating his French fries? Yes. <laughs> Don't you think he you're, does remind you of that yeah. kid? Yeah, he totally does. Um, adorable. <laughs> um, yeah, but the kids were fantastic. They all did a great job. Even even everybody else. Um, I think there was Annabeth. Uh, I think her name's Annabeth Gish. Was she the lady that was talking about the tea party set with um, Eleanor? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes, because Eleanor I was her kid. Ellie, no. Yes? No, that was, no, no. Wasn't she, I don't think the, she was the nanny, but she was like a caretaker. What was her role again? Annabeth Gish was the nanny, like the caretaker. Yes, the, she was the caretaker. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then there was that other guy who helped the father with the basement when they were renovating. That was her husband. That's her husband. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was a very interesting story, though. Like the trauma. It was. was. You could definitely see that that story was um, worked on for a number of years. Like it wasn't just a story that they just came up with within a year and. You can definitely tell that each thing was thought out methodically and and presented. Oh, I, I can just imagine putting that script together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. It felt like a play, but at the same time, you felt like it is very immersive. I guess you could say it draws you in. Oh yeah, for sure. And you really want to know, like, why are they having that vision or whatever? And then. In when she finds out the bent neck lady, I'm like, was mm-hmm. she just haunted by her own ghost? Like, I- yeah, it was like she was haunted by her own life. Like, eventually, her life almost came around in a sense, in a negative way. It's hard to explain because you can interpret it in so many different ways of of what was going on in the series, right? Because they were so intertwined and so affected by what they were, were seeing from, from small children up until when they were adults. Mm -hmm. What was interesting was how manipulative the, the entities were in the house because they, like when she goes back and that house is in shambles, but she doesn't see the house that way. At all. No, because it's just like... It's like it's that, vivid. It's like it's, it's alive, almost. Like it, it has a soul. Um, hopefully not to get too deep. But like, I mean, it just... There are so many different facets of it, though, and how kind of everything came together and was tied up in a nice little bow <clears throat> in the end, really. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. For the most part, um, I don't really think there was a whole lot that was left unexplained. Um, and if it was, it really didn't have much effect on the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting how when the episode focused on a particular character, you learned not a lot, but a little bit to keep you wanting to know, oh, what? What could happen next? You know what I mean? Right. Like right. they didn't reveal it all right away. They kind of just lured you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, and, that's very and, sneaky. <laughs> yeah, very sneaky. And, and, you know, but like I said, everything came together. So, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you've seen scenes in episode one that would tie into something in episode three. Or you saw yeah. something in episode two sense. that would, yeah. So you, you every every time you see something new, it would click, right? It was like a so. puzzle piece. Yeah, exactly. So you felt good afterwards. Like, you're like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) But I still, I don't know if I missed it, but what happened to the mom? Was she possessed or was she... Because not all of them seem to be as drawn to it as Eleanor, Luke, and the mother. The twins and the mother. Right, right. Um, Even though the one girl, very interesting, I, was she an empath? Because she wore gloves because she touched things and had premonitions right. or feelings, which I yes. found absolutely fascinating. And nobody believed her, but she believed and she knew, and that's why she wore those gloves. She didn't care what people thought. Right. She was protecting because, herself. Well, she was protecting herself, and her mom knew that um, this was her her gift, and she knew that it was because her hands were cold all the time and she was cold all the time and the house was cold to her and that was to keep her hands warm, but also to um, stop the other thing, as she said. So her mother, I, I believe it went her, her mother and the grandmother also had the same uh, uh uh, not affliction, but same gift. gift. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I like that little <laughs> fact. I use that actually in, I don't know if you ever read it, but my Avery Snow series, she wore gloves because she was an empath. And if she touched things, she would see things. But I'd never seen that before. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. a same, I guess it's a, not an unusual occurrence i also um like the fact that they you you know tackled different life things as well um Uh you know dealing with death dealing with mental illness um Uh you know that all families aren't perfect um you know people do things because you know they want to and people do things because they have to and you know that kind of thing um there is some good um, background stories to it as well. Mm-hmm. I still feel like the father, he struggled to talk so much in that movie, even even as an adult too. Like he never explained anything. You know, he kept it hidden all the time. And, and then Stephen always saying that they were, you know, seeing things and that it, they were all trying to, he was trying to chalk it up to it being mental illness. Yeah, which I think is is a lot, uh, a part of it. And I think, you know, I we always have heard that a lot of the times that people that are possessed, okay, I know I'm kind of going out of a limb here, but people that are possessed. That you, <laughs> That's reason, what our podcast is about. <laughs> right, the right. But when people are possessed, they there there's something that their their spirits are down. There's something that happens to them that enables that 
spirit to take over, so to speak. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think with her, because she had mental illness, like she was dealing with that because she had migraines and a lot of stuff that involves her head. So her brain was involved. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's where um, it kind of took advantage, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it just made her become even more crazier and doing crazy things. And I mean, could it be a fact that the issue that she was having with regards to the seeing the colors, um, she would always have the color storms. And mm. um, that one time that she was having the conversation about the kittens with um, the oldest daughter, I can't remember what her name is right now, um, Cheryl, she, she was asking what she had done with the kittens that were, you know, she was having issues raising and the mother had her issue with her head. Remember? I think so. Yeah. So then she started, she was lying in bed in the next scene with a ice pack on her head and she was talking to um, the father, her father, or I'm sorry, not her father, her husband. And um, he was saying, oh, is it like your color storms that you normally have? And she goes, it was like that, but it was black. There was no hmm. color. So I think in that sense. Hmm. Um, That's when it was taking over. Right. Right. Darkness is coming in. Hello, darkness, yeah. my old friend. Right. And I think it was because of that house, right? So, yeah. So that's kind of the backstory there and kind of to answer that question that you had on that part. But um, favorite episode? What was your favorite? Um, I think it might have been the one with Luke where he's clean and then he ends up trying to save his friend. His friend Joey? Yeah. The one where she uses again and... She falls off the wagon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she steals the money from him and runs away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt really bad for him at that point because he was trying to do such a good thing. Mm-hmm. I know. Hmm. It's tough. And it's, yes. They all had different ways of dealing with things. Like he dealt with his issues with drugs. Yeah. And the sister, yeah. his twin, she dealt with it with therapy and narcotics um the older brother um i don't think he drank but he denied everything like he just literally denied everything even when he saw it with his own eyes he denied it um the the sister with the funeral home surely uh, i can't remember if it was her or theodora that were always together when things happened but I don't know. I don't really, even when she was like a kid. But she didn't seem like she didn't believe, but at the same time, you know what I mean? I don't. Did they show her stories like where she saw ghosts? Who, Cheryl or? Shirley, or, um... yeah. The oldest daughter. Um, 
Yeah, they did. Um, her ghost was the the guy that she had the affair with as an adult. Remember the guy that was sitting on the couch with the glass of um, brandy. But as a kid, she experienced a lot of the things that other people were experiencing because she had the backstory with the kittens and all that stuff. Yeah. So. And then the part on the wall where it says, welcome home, Nellie. Yeah. My, I think my favorite episode would have to be, um, I think it would be the one where the funeral happens because uh, not at the funeral, but at the funeral home, um, because I think that was very intense. Um, There's a lot of things going on. And um, as with the whole series, the imagery was amazing and uh, everything that they had going on just kind of fit and it worked and uh, mm-hmm. everything that was involved kind of worked. So that was it one of my favorite episodes. It did. It did. Mm-hmm. You had like the storm in the background. Yes. And then you had, yes. you know, everybody showing up individually and it's also very quiet and everything feels awkward and you can see the intensity in their faces. Like when they turn and see her lying there, they don't want to believe that it's her. Like you feel those emotions. Yes. And that, and that's one way that we can say that they were really good because they were able to deliver such good performances there where Mm -hmm. you kind of felt this way along with everything else. So um, that was one of my favorites. And then I think the end episode where everything kind of ties together. I think the first time I seen it, I was like a mess. I was just like, I couldn't, I like, it was so emotional. Oh my um, God. Yeah. yeah, um, And I'm usually not that kind of person, not saying that's a bad thing by any means, but um, it was just very emotional. And and again, because, you know, the characters and the actors and it was well-written and well-acted that you just believed everything. And it was just crazy that everybody was getting everything or what have you. So, so anyways, just to kind of recap that, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. Um, it is on Netflix. If you have Netflix, um, if you don't go to your friend's house and watch their Netflix <laughs> and go and see it. Cause it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, it it's is a great def- show. definitely binge worthy. Um, so check it out if you get a chance. Yeah. I think I watched it an entire day. Like I totally did not turn it off. <laughs> yeah. I believe there's, um, 10 episodes altogether. So, so you know, very bingeable. You can watch it whenever you want. Um, or just watch it one episode at a time so you've got something to watch for a while. So now we've come to an end of another show. And, you know, as always, let us know of any experiences that you have with the paranormal. And if you have any media suggestions, a book, a magazine, a TV show, anything about the paranormal, let us know. We would love to hear your suggestions. So, Brie, again, as always, let us know how they can get in touch with us. And Paranormal Files Canada at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can reach us at Paranormal Files Canada. 
on Instagram, Canada Paranormal Files, and on Twitter at PFC Sean underscore Bree. Well, thank you very much for that. And hopefully um, you will get in touch with us and let us know of your experiences. So thank you again for joining us for another episode. We always look forward to, um, you know, doing our next show and uh, getting things lined up. Join us next month when we are back with season three's episode eight. Wow. Yes. Season three, episode eight. I can't believe it. All right, everybody. So have yourself a fantastic month. We will see you next month. Stay Stay spooky. spooky.